Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Turn in your Bible to the book of Ephesians and chapter 4. Now, when you study the Bible, remember, we're studying the mind of God. God took his mind, put it into words. So that when we study the word of God, we're studying the mind of God. We learn how God thinks, what he loves, what he hates, how he feels, his justice, his holiness, his righteousness, his law, his mercy, his goodness, his kindness, all the things that we call the attributes of God. And God is an amazing God. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing of one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, there's something about God's people all yielding to the Lord with the same humility of mind should come up with the same unity of peace. Because God, and we talk about the peace of God, it's brought by the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit controls me and controls you and controls you and controls you, then we should all have the comfort of the Lord, the peace of God. And then he makes this statement here in verse 4. For there's one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. So that the God that created the heavens and the earth, what he lives inside of me, lives inside of you. He is above all, and he is through all, and he is in all, so that if God is God, and he controls us, and we yield to his control, why can't Christians get along? Well, you and I know because we have an old sinful nature and we rebel. We rebel against God, the teaching of the Bible. We have our own way. We want to do our own will, so we rebel. And because we are able to, by our great spiritual discernment, able to detect all the dirt in other people's lives. And we use that as an opportunity to either exalt ourselves as, boy, I'm glad I'm not like that. Or we compare ourselves among others, as the Bible says is not wise. 
And we lift ourselves up as though we're something better. And the Bible says about esteeming one another better than yourselves and always seeking that which is best for somebody else. We change the word from edify to edify. Though in these first six verses, it's all talking about one, 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 all the same. So whatever God is, he's the same to me as he is to you. There's only one church, one body, and we're all part of that oneness. But then he says there in verse 7, it doesn't say and unto every one of us is given. It says but, which is in contrast. In contrast to the one, there are many that have something different. See, even though we're all different, what God has done for me, he did for you. He saved me, he saved you. He indwells me, he indwells you. One Bible, one Holy Spirit. So there is the similarity that everything's the same. But under every one of us is given grace according to the, and get this word now, measure of the gift of Christ. This is different. What God did for us all is one thing. But now, while we live in this life, there is a certain measure that God has given to us. Talk about the gift of Christ. The ministry of the Lord. The ministry we have may be different. Not everybody is the pastor. Not everybody is the deacon. Not everybody's just the person sitting in the pew. But everybody has a different position. And then he talks about those things in verse 11. And he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Those are all different. But even though they're all different, they have a different ministry to work together something to produce unity so that every one of us learn from each other. Not one person has it all. Sometimes you hear, you know, the pastor, he is just too dominating. He is just too dictatorial. He's just too mean. He's too headstrong. He's just too ornery. You can't tell him anything. And you'll have a preacher like that. And then lo and behold, you can go to another church and Boy, the preacher is just so sweet and so kind and so nice and so gentle and so peaceful and so warm and so cuddly and so blah, 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 blah. And you'll find out sometimes that preacher won't take a strand. He won't rebuke. He won't, he's not hard enough. He's not a strong leader. I don't care where you go. Nobody will be totally satisfied with whatever you have, whoever you get. Whatever church you go to, there is the little honeymoon period and then you find reality Everybody's got faults and flaws, just like you. There's no difference. But the Holy Spirit that indwells us has a work to do. And so even though God has done the same for all of us, and he indwells all of us, same power within all of us, yet he's given to each one of us different ministries. And you're to learn how to use the gift that God has given to you to benefit the body. So by the time you get through with all of this learning that you're supposed to have, look there in verse 12. For the perfecting, maturing, completion of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we get this, all come into the unity of the face. It's one thing to say, we want peace, we want unity. All right, well, how are you going to get it? God sends you different types of people to do different types of work with different abilities. 
And sometimes you'll learn a little bit from this person and a little bit from this person, a little bit from this person, but you don't learn it all from one person. Because God uses different people in different ways. God wants to use your talent and your ability because God doesn't want you to be somebody else. If God wanted me to be Mark Cameron, God should have made me Mark Cameron. But he didn't make me Mark Cameron. He made me Yankee Arnold. I just want to be the best Yankee Arnold I can be. I like Curtis Hudson. I admire Dr. Curtis Hudson. I looked up to Dr. Curtis Hudson. To me, he was a great soul winner. I love what he did. I love the way he did it. But you know, if God wanted me to be Dr. Hudson, God should have made me Dr. Hudson. God didn't make me Dr. Hudson. I'm not going to try to be no Dr. Hudson. I just want to be Yankee. But the best one that I can be. You don't want to be anybody else. You're not jealous of anybody else. And the reason is because you're satisfied with yourself. With what God has done for you and what God wants to do through you and in you. Because you see, that's where the unity of the Spirit comes from. You're not going to be blessed because you're so envious of somebody else and trying to be like somebody else. Forget all of that. God made you, you. He wants you to be you. He don't want you to be somebody else. And yet, all of us working together can produce the same results so that we learn to be satisfied with what God has for us, not become envious of somebody else. Now, get what he says. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. In other words, the body of Christ being shaped and molded into a perfect individual. Growing to the image of Christ. And he says this in verse, the last part of verse 13. Unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. Now look up here. God gave him a little and her a little and you a little and you a little and you a little and you a little. And you a little and you a, all these gifts. But all working together with a little measure here and a little measure there. A little water from here and a little water from there. A little water from here and a little water and a little water and a little water. Next thing you know, i got a full glass of water. And that's what God wants to do in the local church. He says here in verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning and craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head. Now the purpose of the body is to grow up into the head. So the body is not to work separate from the head because here upon the earth is the body and the head is in heaven in Christ. So when you read the book of Ephesians, it talks about the church on the earth. But when you read the book of Colossians, it talks about the head, which is in heaven. And yet we are united because we are joined together by the Holy Spirit. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Now keep it in mind, all believers, all believers are disciples. All believers are children. All believers are sheep. All believers are stones, and all believers are members, and all believers form the bride of Christ. And yet, there's something about every one of these that's very, very unique. Now, in the book of Acts, in chapter 20, look there in verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, disciples is a learner, a follower. So you can be a follower of Christ and not be saved. And you can be a saved person and not be a follower, a learner. Judas was a disciple of Christ, but he wasn't saved. 
But a person who knows the Lord and loves the Lord should be a disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple is someone just like I went to Bible college. When I went to Bible college, I was a disciple along with all the other students. We were disciples. We were being discipled. We were taught discipline, the Christian disciplines of the book. What to believe, how to live. That's what it all boils down to. The rule of faith, believe, and practice, do. So the Bible teaches us how to think and how to live. So at school, we were disciples, and we were being discipled by the men that were there. Wouldn't it be interesting if we could just stay in school all our life? Just stay in school all our life? Now, there's some people who go to college, and then they graduate, and then they go to seminary, and then they graduate, and they go into another seminary and graduate, and just getting, they just tack on degrees after degrees. Now, you can forever sharpen an axe, never cut on a tree. You can forever learn and never teach. But what was the reason of those teachers discipling us to teach us to teach? We were learning how to serve the Lord. We were learning how to study the Bible. Four or five hours every day, for four years straight, we studied the Bible. What did we do? We were learning how to study so that you can study for the rest of your life. It didn't give you everything you knew. No place can. But you can't be somebody's little disciple forever. Because God is in the habit of moving things around because there's things that God wants done. This is His vineyard. We're only shepherds. So there's a time as a child of God, as a disciple, you're to learn. But as you learn, there's things God wants you to do with what you learn. Not just to be a disciple that you take in all your life, but the other part of it is to be able to give the way God wants us to. Look in John chapter 11. Verse 49, and one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. Now, he prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation. This is before Christ ever died on the cross. We don't know if Caiaphas was a believer or not. All we know is that they did know that the Messiah would have to die. This spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. And get verse 52. Not only that nation, but that also he should gather together in one. You ought to underline that. In one, the children of God that were scattered abroad. Now here, of course, he's talking about the nation of Israel and the Jews that have been scattered throughout the earth. And about them all coming together as one because it's talked about that in the book of Ezekiel chapter 37 and 38 talking about how that there's going to be one day, there's going to be one shepherd, one shepherd, and how that God's going to take Judah and Israel and make one nation once again a school of disciples. There has to be a master, a teacher, somebody that teaches 
those disciples. When you talk here about the children, and we're talking about the children in one family, you have to talk about not only a family, but if there's a family, and we're all in the same family, we all have the same father. There's one father. Not two. There's only one heavenly father. And you are heavenly children. And you came from the father. When we talk about the word born again, if I was to say to Robert over here, Robert, you've got to be born again. Well, if Robert was born again, just like he's already been born into the world the first time, well, the second birth wouldn't be any better than his first one. If he was born again, just like he was the first time, well, then he could have a hundred births, and he ain't going to be one bit better. Why? Sinful nature, sinful nature, sinful nature. He ain't a bit better. So the key is not just be born again. The word there in John is born from above. But whenever you're born again, it means be born from above. The first time in the world you were born this way with a sinful nature. You don't want that again. You want to be born from above. And be born from above, that's a totally different birth. You see, it's a different source. It's a different father. And so now we have here in the book of Ephesians in chapter 3, makes the statement in verse 15, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. This is one family. Look what he says here in verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family. See, we are a family, and we are a family. We're all in the same family. And if we're in the same family, we got the same Father, and our same Father is God. So shouldn't a family honor their father? Doesn't it say in the Bible somewhere about honor thy father? Honor thy father? Of course, in the world, honor thy father and thy mother. My goal now as a child of God is to honor my father. And I should do that. You should do that. But what if all of God's children honored their father and we listened to our father? Well, shouldn't we get along? Shouldn't there be peace among the brethren? Isn't it a shame when God's people don't love each other, don't pray for one another, don't encourage one another, become stumbling blocks for others? Always check and see whatever you do, what if every Christian did what you do? What kind of a family would you have if all the Christians live like you live? And yet, this is what God expects us to do. Every believer is to be an example to everyone else that follows. You are important in what you say and what you do. Look in John chapter 10, verse 16. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be, you're on the line, is one fold, one shepherd. See, God uses different ways in which to teach us as a teacher with the disciples and as a father with a family and also here as a shepherd with the sheep. There are simple ways in which things we do understand we can get a grasp of the spiritual meaning of how God does it with us. And therefore, there is a, a good shepherd. He's also called the great shepherd. And in the book of the Hebrews, he's called the chief shepherd. He is the shepherd. And the sheep are to hear his voice, and the sheep are to follow that shepherd. Sometimes, even in your Christian life, if you don't fully learn to trust the Lord and walk with the Lord, I don't care what you have. I don't care where you go. 
There can always be that emptiness there. Well, there's a satisfaction and a joy that comes because you did what God wants you to do. The Bible tells us that there is one foundation, one foundation that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. But on this foundation, there's living stones. And you and I are living stones upon the foundation. And if you'll notice there in verse 6 of 1 Peter chapter 2, Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief corner stone. The word stone there is singular. That's the foundation. Look in verse 5. Ye also as lively stones, or living stones, the word stones is plural, that's many. So there's one foundation. There's many stones. And God is taking these living stones and putting them upon this foundation and he's building a spiritual house for the habitation of God. And when he says he went to show him the holy city coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and he says, and he showed me the, the bride, the lamb's wife. As though the holy city was the bride. Because we're called the stones. And there's the disciples in the various stones. And there's a certain foundation that he has there and it's like the sea of glass transparent gold and you had all these people that form the body and in the book of Ephesians in chapter 2 it talks about how that the believers themselves form an habitation for God to dwell in and yet you know the Bible tells us that the holy city coming down from God out of heaven was 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles wide, and 1,500 miles long. That's over half the size of the United States. And I believe that the holy city will hover above the earth because it says the nations upon the earth will walk in the light of the holy city. But God has given to us a glorious gospel by which every person who trusts the Lord is gloriously saved. And then he tells us, this is what I want you to do. It's like the shepherd who leads the sheep. And like the head of the family looks after his family. And here you talk about a foundation, a chief cornerstone, and living stones that are placed upon this thing. And it says that this is where we are. Look there in verse 6 again. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded or confused, or ashamed, as it says in several other places, especially Romans chapter 10, verse 11. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, or don't believe, the stone which the builders disallowed or rejected, the same is made the head of the corner. The nation of Israel was looking to build a kingdom. But the king was the stone who showed up and they rejected him. So the kingdom was postponed. So that same stone that was rejected by the builders, Israel, became the headstone for the believers themselves, called the church. That's where we are. So it became a rock of offense, even to those which stumble at the word, being disobedient or unbelieving. The other one I wanted to mention to you is found in the book of Corinthians in chapter 12, where he talks about, he says, there is one body. And though the members be many, there's only one body. And yet in this one body, God says everybody is not the eye. Because if everybody was an eye, then where would the hearing be? But if everybody was an ear, then where would the seeing be? But in a body of believers, a church, 
They're supposed to be individuals that can do the work of the ministry. And so we need this person can do this, a person can do this, a person can do that, and a person can do that. And God has given to the church that which the church needs. But sometimes people don't want to do what they're supposed to do. So they don't function right. The body doesn't grow right. It's not fed right. It doesn't grow. It doesn't get done the things that needs to be done. But it's not because it can't. It's because it won't. The last one I want to mention to you, the Bible says that in the future, we are going to get married again. We will be the bride of Christ. That means from Pentecost to the rapture, all believers form the body of Christ. And where two become one, just like a man, a woman, and then when they have a child, two became one flesh. This child came from two people, and these two people, God looks upon them as one person. One person, one head. If you saw a person walking down the street with two heads, you would think there goes a what? A freak. I mean, the family doesn't need two heads. It's not 50-50. Where is this? 50-50. Many people spend their whole married life trying to figure this out. There's only one head. And God says the man is the head of the home. Like it or not. It's a shame when a lot of men are not the head as they ought to be. They're not good, strong leaders. And that's a shame because he will not fulfill his responsibility to be the leader that he ought to be. But he should be. One day this bride of Christ is going to go to the judgment seat of Christ. And the Bible says we will, according to Revelation 19, dress in the righteous acts of the saints. What you do down here, God is going to reward you and you're going to be dressed in the rewards of the righteous deeds that you've done for the Lord, and we will all be going to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and then the Bible says Christ is going to come to the earth, and we're going to be with Him forever. Because when the rapture takes place, we shall be with Him forever. So wherever He goes, we go. We're the bride, and the bride is to be married to Christ. There is to be one bride, one husband. One bridegroom. And when Christ is married to the bride that came from all these individuals down here, remember, all of us who trust the Lord, we were born from above, from the Father. Everybody who becomes part of the bride, there's no fault nor flaw in any of us. We are perfect. Because only a perfect Savior can marry a perfect bride. So what is the gold of the Father? According to Jewish custom, the goal of the father was to find a bride for his son. So the father had a son born into this world. And now the father is calling out from among the world a body of believers. And they will become the bride to marry his son. And that's why the Son says in John chapter 6, All that the Father giveth to me. True? I'm not making this up. This is Bible. The Father giveth to me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise. Now, here in this life, if you find out that the bride was not pure, she was not a virgin, then you are free to put her aside, to cast her out, to annul the wedding. 
But there won't be none of this here because he will be made perfect and just like the Lord. So all that comes to him, I will in no wise ever cast out. So it means more than just looking at this and I have eternal life, I'll never lose him. It goes for all eternity. There's always deeper things found in the Word of God that's just awesome. Eternity will show the epitome of unity. Because can you see that in eternity, there's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and then the Bible talks about Israel, the church, and the Gentiles. Those only three. And there'll be perfect unity, perfect peace, perfect harmony for all eternity. Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.